0: Welcome to Healthy Habits, Happy Homes with the Guelph Family Health Study, where we share research and practical tips for applying it to your own family. Each week, we'll bring you evidence based health information from experts. Our quick tips will help you create healthy habits for a happy home.
1: So, hello, welcome to Healthy Habits, Happy Homes by the Guelph Family Health Study. I'm Lisa. And I'm
0: Angela. And today our guest is Dr. Robin Milhausen. Robin is an associate professor in the Department of Applied Nutrition in Family Relations at the University of Guelph. Robin, would you tell us a little more about yourself and about your work here at the university? Sure.
2: I've been at the university for 12 years and I'm a sexuality and relationships researcher. And that involves doing studies but also teaching in these subject areas and then doing a fair bit of education in the community and outreach as well. And I'd say that my research has two main components. About half of my work has been on sexual health and condom use and sexuality and education among young people. And then the other half is on sexual well-being and satisfaction in longer and more established relationships.
0: Okay, very, very interesting. So today, our focus for this podcast is going to be parent relationships in respect to both communication and intimacy. So I wanted to ask you why it's important to talk about parent relationships or what your thoughts are on, on that.
2: Oh yes, it's, it's extremely important. As I'm sure everybody in your audience knows, the stronger you are in your parental relationships, that the house works more smoothly, the children are more relaxed, uh, doing the daily tasks, the drudgery of taking out the garbage and paying the bills all goes a lot, a lot smoother and more happily if the folks, uh, the parents, are getting along well and communicating and feeling heard and feeling connected. So, whatever we can do for the parents actually benefits the children, I'd say, you know,
0: tenfold. hmm yeah, I, I would agree, and some of your research, have you looked specifically at parent relationships and, I don't know, communication styles or anything in particular amongst parents with young children?
2: Well, we do know that parents of children struggle at a few key time points mm-hmm. in their child's development. So. It becomes really challenging or stays challenging after the kids are born to the time when your youngest child is in, or sorry, your oldest child is in, no, youngest child is in preschool. When you have all your kids launched out of preschool and in elementary school, life tends to settle down a little bit and parents tend to be able to focus a little bit more on themselves and have some fewer stressors. Uh, The stressors that come of having infants and toddlers can be extreme and and put a lot of strain on the parents because of sleeplessness, etc. And things can coast for a while, but then they also tend to get more difficult around adolescence because at that time their children are pushing limits and potentially becoming more challenging and also parents have less privacy at that time because all of a sudden your kids are staying up later and they're aware of what might be happening when the parents close the bedroom door Uh, so it's it's there are these two more difficult times and then then we we launch our children and, and then we have to rediscover our relationships with our partners again so i would say that communication and intimacy in parental relationships is definitely not static
1: and if mm-hmm.
2: the folks out there are listening and feeling like they're at a particularly challenging time, at least the one thing we can be sure of is that it's going to change again. Because every new life stage, every new child stage brings about changes for the whole family. So if things are not great now, they are not going to be like this forever. Um, and you can you can take heart in the fact that the only thing that's constant is change.
1: So that you bring up a good point that that things are changing and it's very fluid as as the children grow and enter different stages of life or is there any anything that you would suggest to some of the parents listening and, and um, the parents uh, listening would have kids of, of a variety of different ages and different age groups is there any tips you can provide to, to help improve that communication among parents
2: I think one of the things that can be the most important um, sort of underlying all of the communication it's having a belief in the goodwill of your partner. We tend to get frustrated and angry when we think our partners don't get us or they're doing things on purpose to annoy us or you know, they, they have not unloaded the laundry because they think that's our job and we should be doing it. or they. And so it's those attributions we make to our partners that cause us to get frustrated and angry. And then when we communicate with them, that comes out and we're starting from a place of frustration and anger. So the more we can do to build goodwill and feelings of positive feelings towards our partner before we even have the conversation, like recognizing we all have a lot on the go. And maybe the fact that I didn't unload the dishwasher like was not me trying to send a message that you should do it, but was just that I was doing these four other things and we're all working really hard to keep this family afloat. So I do think that having giving people the benefit of the doubt or giving your partner the benefit of the doubt um, in terms of their communication and in terms of their actions around the home can go a long way. I mean, most of the time what we do in our relationships, you know, it's not about our partner. It's just each of us trying to kind of make it through a pretty hectic time in our busy families. So starting out not defensive and not judgmental, though that may be difficult, um, is really, really, really helpful.
0: Yeah, I think that's a a great tip. As you mentioned, I think a lot of the time we're always looking for someone to blame or, you know, a reason, but dropping judgment is likely really important in, in kind of working together. How do you feel about, you know, approaching a topic that might be uncomfortable for partners, right? So if, I don't know, this could be... A sexual question it could not be but you know any tips around you know bringing up these types of conversations with your partner that you might not feel so comfortable doing so
2: yes, for sure. I think it has a lot to do with timing so if you ha- want to raise an issue with a partner whether it has something to do with your kids or your finances or sexuality um, you know at the end of a long day or at 10 o'clock at night or when the baby just stopped crying or when they got bad news at work those are not good times So really thinking about when's a good time. And it can be extremely difficult to to schedule that time, to find time when your kids are occupied and you feel relaxed. But you're going to get a lot more mileage out of the conversation if you're both in a good place. And you could ask that, like, when might be a good time for us to talk about this? And I think that it can be helpful to know that probably your partner wants things to be great between you, just like you do. Like You both want to live happily and be connected you both want that or you all want that. And so if you recognize that, then that sort of means that we would all be motivated to come to the table and have a conversation. And when it comes to sexuality in particular, uh, my research and others indicates that the relationship between relationship satisfaction and sexual satisfaction is huge. If you're sexually satisfied, you're 10 to 20 times more likely to be relationally satisfied. And if you're relationally satisfied, you're 10 to 20 times more likely to be sexually satisfied hugely hugely overlapping. So and if you're sexually and relationally satisfied, you're much more likely to have a long and happy relationship. So it the it is worthwhile for us to invest in being happy uh, relationally and getting our sexual needs met and knowing what our partner's sexual needs and interests are and working together to find some way to meet those if we can. It it is like a, it's like money in the bank, honestly. It is like uh, protection for your family's future if you can connect and build intimacy and and feel passion for each other that is that that is your insurance policy for you know the next 20 years in your relationship so I think you know maybe we can't afford not to have these conversations we might be wondering can we can we have the conversation but I think we can't afford not to have those conversations
1: so you talked about <clears throat> sorry excuse me you talked about money in the bank and building intimacy um, a lot of the Home, when we go into to family homes, many times we hear the parents say to us, uh, at, at this point, it's, we're in survival mode and uh, we're just trying to kind of get through the toddler stage. We're trying to get through the preschool age. Um, uh, what are some ways that you think that families could build that intimacy?
2: Yeah, I I totally agree. Uh, you're speaking to you speaking my language. Uh, I have a busy life, uh, career, young kids, a dog, a bunny, and and other things happen when we're parenting too. Like we are often caring for caring for aging adults. We have parents who may be sick or who may pass away. All these things are extra stresses on the relationship, and survival mode is common. But I think that it helps to at least communicate. Like if your partner intimate, uh, initiates sex or you know tries to snuggle up to you on the couch and share affection, if you can communicate, I really appreciate that. I, I'm i attracted to you and I love you and I care about you, but I just can't right now. Rather than, oh my God, I can't even believe you think about sitting near me at this moment. I have to do X, Y, and Z. Being kind in our rejections and finding some small way to communicate to our partner that we do care about them deep down we are attracted to them and interested in, in maintaining this relationship, but now is a challenging time and it can be extremely hard to do that for sure um, and but if we can find small ways to recognize that we still appreciate each other, that helps to build that goodwill I was speaking about and I, I want all the people out there listening to know that like, that you know passion kiss you as you're coming through the door ripping off your clothes, romantic dinners with roses and candlelight. Like that's not actually really that common among, you know, 30 to 50 year olds with kids and careers. If this is you, that is great. But the media gives us this whole idea and movies and romance novels that other people are making this all work and they are still finding the time to like, to find, to be passionate um, amidst like baby puke on clothes and dog diarrhea on the rug. And so get rid of those, uh sort of romantic idealized notions of what marriage with kids can be and then try and carve out your own path for how you can stay connected but but people well the average number of times people are having sex you know midlife adults is about once a week but that varies a lot depending on um you know what's going on in people's lives and some really cool research out of um Uh, Amy Muse lab at York University. She did some very complicated analyses with national samples and found that the benefits of sex actually level off at once a week. So this is not something we need to be finding time for every day or every other day. If you can connect in some way um, and if it happens to be sexually once a week um, that tends to be the average and and workable but again don't beat yourself up if you're not there because Lots of us aren't at lots of times when we have those young kids, sick kids, stresses at work, ill family members. All those things get in the way.
0: Yeah, that, that's very interesting because I think there's been a common misconception that you know sexual desire declines with age. Um, so that that statistic was interesting to know when we are talking about intimacy and maybe not even um, in a, a sexual perspective, but how. Can parents stay connected? Um, you know, technology is a, in my opinion, a, a big problem right now. Right, we're so connected to our emails and social media, and um, just wondering what your thoughts were. Yeah, and
2: I, we've all seen those images. You know,
0: with you know, two couple or two
2: members of a couple sitting on a couch, both staring downwards at their phone, or out for dinner and staring downwards at their phone. Uh, a lot of families uh, try uh, like a no phone zone like they put their phone in a in a jar and when they come in the door and from three to nine there's no phones or from seven to eleven there's no phones so setting those kinds of boundaries can be helpful but also if you can find a way to use technology to be connected I've also seen um, actually in some older couples how texting has can actually really increase intimacy and build connection because they uh especially at one couple i'm thinking of um the man was able to as soon as he got an iphone uh, he was sending all kinds of thoughtful messages to his wife that you know in the 40 years of his marriage he had never done because that wasn't the kind of you know conversation you know he would have, have com- felt comfortable doing verbally so if we want to use technology for good rather than evil we could spend a second during the day to send a message of appreciation, like thanks for walking the dog this morning, or looking forward to watching The Bachelor on the couch with you tonight, or whatever. Um, But just a tiny little message, it doesn't take long. It can actually build intimacy and connection throughout the day.
1: It sounds like, from what you're saying, that communication is a large part of building that intimacy.
2: Yeah, I don't really think you can do it without... Um yeah, I've shared time certainly is helpful for building intimacy and there's some neat research on novelty. Uh so doing something new with a partner um can actually revamp the spark that you if we're feeling kind of like the routine and monotony, trying something new like going to a painting class or ballroom dancing or uh rock climbing or Uh, bungee jumping, if you can do something that is novel and also a bit scary, that is actually especially um, enhancing of intimacy and connection. So watching a horror movie or going on a roller coaster or going bungee jumping with a partner uh, bonds you to even a greater degree than doing a, a less intensely emotionally arousing novel activity.
0: Yeah, I, I've heard that too. And it's funny because you, you mentioned The Bachelor. They do lots of those activities. Exactly. <laughs> to exactly. Get... And you more times than
2: you can imagine, they end up with the person they did the bungee jumping with. So, okay. yep, there's a science to it.
0: That's interesting. But I also want to come back
2: to your point about desire declining with age. And that, that definitely... That definitely varies, and I would say that sometimes we find it hard to maintain the same level of desire for our partner because we've been with the same partner for all those years, and we tend to do the same things. We figure out what's wor- what works, and we just keep doing it. So it, it can be worthwhile to talk with your partner about how to increase your own excitement and motivation to be sexual together because, yes, your own desire, it doesn't need to decrease. It's not a necessary Uh, you know, fact of life that your desire is going to go down over time. Even other aspects of your sexual functioning may go down and may take larger or longer amount of time to get aroused, etc. But we adapt to that and that just means, you know, we have more time together and longer sexual encounters, which may be actually even more pleasurable. So the key is not, you know, what am I going to do about my low desire as much as like, what can we do to share more excitement about our sexuality together? What thing can we do? And Peggy Klein, that's this amazing uh, sex therapist from Ottawa, always asks her clients what kind of sex would motivate you to have sex, because perhaps it's not overarching low desire, but just that you're not that interested in the kinds of things you're doing. So fatigue, obviously oftentimes we're way too tired for sex, period. But if we happen to get enough rest and if we happen to feel physically well, what kind of sex would motivate us to be sexual with our partner? And if we can figure that out and we can communicate about that with our partner, they'll likely be interested in meeting those conditions because they want to connect with you as well. So I think desire doesn't necessarily need to decrease, but it, it does, I think, for most couples take some communication to figure out what's the kind of thing that's going to get uh, the spark going between us and it was probably easy when you were 22 but now that you're 28 35 43 um, with more life responsibilities and and more monotony and routine it might take a little more effort to figure out what is that thing that gives us that spark
1: thank you so much that was all really great information um so for the families that are listening if you did have some takeaway messages what would those be
2: I think it is absolutely worth it investing in your parental relationship. And I, I again, I'm right in this boat with parenting two young children. It gets really easy to just focus downward on those kids. What do they need? You know, braces or an IEP at school, or uh, how are we going to pay off the mortgage, etc. These kinds of larger issues. Because we're so busy just bouncing from one thing to the next, we don't look towards our partner and we don't nurture that relationship. And that can work for a short period of time. But the longer time we make withdrawals from that intimacy bank without putting anything in, um, everybody will suffer Kids do better when they see their parents being friendly with each other, being happy and appreciating each other. And they grow up remembering what those models were like. Um, That kind of affection sets the tone or the norm for the kinds of relationships they're going to want to form. So it is so worth it. And you may think, oh, you know, I really should do this craft with my kid and they really need us to work on their reading tonight. But it might be okay for that once in two weeks to sit them down with a movie in the basement and to have you sit upstairs with a movie and some snacks or, you know, a game of cribbage, whatever the activity is. You're not taking something away from your kids when you focus on your relationship. You're actually giving them a whole, whole lot um, by, by protecting your relationship. That's one. That is one takeaway. My second one would be try not to beat yourself up if you feel like you're falling down on this, because it is especially hard in this modern age to manage all the things we're managing. And this this stage has been always hard, caring for younger children and maybe aging adults. But we have more career demands than ever. Uh, we have, again, that's the demands of social media and always being connected. And that social presentation, seeing people on Facebook and how they're baking the most perfect cookies with their families and their kids are getting these awards. It's a challenging time. So be kind to yourself and be kind to your partner. And if you can be honest about that, like, this is a tough time, but I still care about you and this is we're in this and we're going to make it through. And someday we're going to be watching the sunset um, and be together and our children will be launched into their lives. Um, but being kind when you recognize it can't always be. It's not always going to be amazing and sometimes it's going to be really hard. And forgiving yourself and forgiving your partner in those situations.
0: Yeah, I think those are two very good messages for for our listeners, and um, I think just to add to that, you've really expressed how important communication is. So finding time to talk to each other, finding time to discuss the good and the bad, it is really key in keeping that relationship and that intimacy strong.
2: Yeah, and we both on the good stuff. Like you know, I really enjoyed it when we walked walked downtown the other night and got a coffee or I really appreciated when you um tucked the kids in last night so I could um, have a cup of coffee or talk to a friend on the phone we can actually we can send messages about what's working um by reinforcing the positive things our partners are doing we don't have to all the conversations don't have to be why aren't you doing this or "Uh, when you do this I feel like you don't care about me we can talk about the positive stuff and that's
1: that's reinforcing as well
0: yeah For for sure, I think that it's always better to focus on the positive.
1: Yeah, I think you you gave us a lot of really great information with regards to building intimacy and keeping open communication within the relationship. And um, so we thank you so much for, for joining us with the Healthy Habits Happy Homes podcast, Robin.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Healthy Habits, Happy Homes. We can't wait to have you tuning with us next week. But in the meantime, if you'd like to connect, you can visit our website, www.guelffamilyhealthstudy.com or visit us on Facebook at Guelph Family Health Study. Thanks and have a great week.